this is a very weighty message to, today and one that uh, I take very seriously. And as time has gone over the last two weeks, it, it, it never fails to happen in God's providence that things have been placed into my life that I get to live out and try to apply scripture to my heart and to the circumstances that I'm in. And so today we continue our study of Second John and in God's providence he's had me live this the last two weeks. And I'm hoping and praying that you will be encouraged today and also warned as we look at a very important passage here in Second John. The Apostle John wrote this personal letter to a believing lady and her believing children. John clearly established the truth was the foundation of their relationship. He explained that her love, he loved her in the truth, and that everyone who knew the truth loved her also, and the truth called her to then sacrificially love one another. This is what Scripture is all about. This is what this book's all about, this second letter to, of John. We define the truth as this, and if you want to write it down, you can. The truth is who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, what Jesus is doing, and what Jesus desires for his followers to do. That is the truth. I guess we could add one little thing. What Jesus will do in the future. It, this is truth. It permeates all of what is happening right now. That is, God is working. Christ is building his kingdom. Christ is sovereign. He holds all things by the word of his power. He holds all things together. Put simple, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the truth. And that is what we see in this passage. We define love as commitment evidenced by unconditional sacrifice. True biblical love is commitment evidenced by unconditional sacrifice. But I've added a little couple or two little phrases to my definition of love, and it's because I think it's very important for us to understand that biblical love is controlled by and operates in or is operating in, is controlled by and operating in truth. It's in that gospel that true biblical love is demonstrated. It's in our understanding of God, and as God, His Son, is working through us, we then show biblical love. This is true biblical love. Commitment evidenced by unconditional sacrifice, controlled by and operating in truth. That is love. We saw the outline of the letter was simple. It's not complicated. The introduction of the letters, the first three verses... The body of the letter is 4 to 11, and then the conclusion to the letter is found in 12 and 13. Last week we covered the introduction and the first half of the body of the letter. We saw an encouragement to the two sections included, a, an encouragement to love one another in the truth. That's what the main body of the letter is about. An encouragement to this lady and her children to love one another in the truth. We didn't finish it completely, so we're going to wrap that up in a second, but then move on to a warning to avoid the distorters or deceivers 
of the truth, or the distorters of the truth, in verses 7 to 11. We covered most of this first point, but let's step back and look at it and finish it up in verses 4 to 6. An encouragement to love one another in the truth. First, John affirmed this, their commitment to the truth in verse 4. Notice in your Bibles, look at verse 4. I was very glad to find some of your children walking in truth, just as we have received commandment from the Father or to do. Next we saw Jesus, or John gave the lady and her children an, ex, uh, an exhortation to continue in the truth. Look at verses 5 to 6. Now I ask you, lady, not as though I were writing to you a new commandment, but the one which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, that you should walk in it. It's very interesting in this little passage, we see that there's commandments as a singular. The one commandment is love one another. But then he brings up this idea of walking according to his commandments, plural. And he says, this is the commandment, singular. Love one another. So how many commandments are there? Well, he's talking about one, but that one is then demonstrated in our obedience to the other commandments. Just like we've already established in this letter. That as we love one another, we are loving in the truth, which is what Jesus tells us to do. Right? So I gave you an assignment this week. I won't, make you, I won't embarrass anybody to have you raise your hands. How well did you do reading the Sermon on the Mount? Even if you didn't make it through it, let's go ahead and look over there. Look over to Matthew chapter 5. Everyone wants to know, everyone wants to know, what does loving one another look like? What does loving one another look like? Again, our world tries to give us a definition of what love is. And it's wrong. The world says it means it's only a feeling. It's often just a feeling. Love is a feeling. It also says it's giving something to people who give to you. If you love, that is uh, giving something to somebody that's going to give to you in return. It is also caring for somebody. This is what the world says. It's caring for someone who affirms their appreciation of you. That's love. If you love somebody and you know that they're going to appreciate what you do, then it's, that's biblical. That's good love. Not biblical love, but that's the world's love. If they appreciate me, that's love. It's all, it also, the world says that loving someone because you are promised more in return from them. If you love them, they're going to do great things back to you. Have you ever heard the saying, uh, marriage is 50-50? You've heard that? That's a worldly concept. The idea is, is if I give 50%, they give 50%, we meet in the middle and everything's good. That's love. No, it's 100% 0%. What? You're not supposed to focus on what you're getting. You're supposed to give. You're supposed to sacrificially, unconditionally give. That's what biblical love is. You lay down your life without expectations at all. Because you take joy in what? Sacrificing for the one who sacrificed for you, Jesus. He died for you, so he's enough. The truth is enough, and so therefore we love. So what does this love look like? Well, Jesus explained it. 
And you can go, he says in verse 6 of that passage, he says that we walk according to his commandments. So let's look at some of these commandments in Matthew chapter 5. Beloved, I can't stress this enough. We hear all the time, I love you. And we often even say it, I love you. But the real proof is in the pudding, as the saying goes. How we treat others determines whether we really love them. Whether we do what Jesus commands. Let's focus in on a couple of these. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, it states, it says, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. This is your command. Let your light shine before others. What is that? That is called loving one another. That is demonstrating Christ to others so that they will then what? Glorify God. They will see and understand who God is by your actions. Look at 521 to 26. In 21 to 26, it's this whole, you have heard that the ancients were told, you shall not commit murder. Whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you every, that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever says, you fool, shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and present your offering. Make friends quickly with your opponent at law while you are with him on the way, so that your opponent may not hand you over to the judge, and the judge to the officer, and you be thrown into prison. What's the gist? This is called loving one another. Not complicated, folks. What do we do? Anytime we even get angry at a person, in our heart, we have begun the process of what? Murder. It's, it's, it's as if we have murdered in our hearts. We're angry to the point that we don't like the person anymore, and we would even call them a name. Have you called anybody a name before? That was not loving one another. As we keep these commandments, what are we doing? We're doing exactly what Christ calls us to do. And in Christ, we can do it by his grace and grace alone, right? In 27 to 32, we see seek purity. Seek purity. Is it important to not lust after a woman or lust after someone else? Yes. Why? Because it's loving one another. It's laying down your life unconditionally saying, this is an image bearer. I'm not going to look at a person that way because I might end up what? Acting on it, which would what? Be hating that person. These are very clear. Jesus' word is clear, isn't it? He gives us commands. This is how we live. We do this because we love one another because he first loved us. I can't go through all of these, but if you see 33 to 37, it's seek integrity. Be honest. Be people of your word. Why? That's loving one another. How about 38 to 42? Seek sacrificial giving. How about 43 to 48? Seek to give mercy. This is loving one another. Be merciful. And 6, 1 to 4, seek humble giving. Why? 
Because then it doesn't make it about you. It's about humbly giving to others, which is loving one another. Then in, look over at 7. I can't go through all of this, but in 7, 1 to 6, we see, Avoid self-righteous judgment, but be discerning. Do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. By your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to dogs, and do not throw pearls before swine, or they will trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. What's this? This is a call to evaluate your own heart. Make sure your heart's right, and then to what? Encourage one another. Help each other. Be discerning enough to avoid what? The swine. That is, throwing and casting your time and your efforts and, your, and, and the gospel message to people that are just ignoring and hating God. Be careful. Beloved, we have to be discerning. This is loving one another. Ultimately, though, it could all be summarized in 7.12. Look at 7.12. Look at your Bibles. In everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want to, them to treat you. For this is the law and the prophets. We could summarize the whole thing with treat people how you would want to be treated. So as we obey the commands of Jesus, we obey this new command to love one another. The primary command is to love one another, yes. And we do this by what? Constantly thinking of the person we're talking to and talking to them and treating them the way that we would want to be treated. Do we think that way, beloved? Are we constant? We wake up and think, oh, before I say something to my daughter, I'm going to think what she would want me to say to her to encourage her. What would, what would I want if I were her? What would be best for her to hear? If I were her, what would I want to hear? So I did it this morning. And my little girl came in and she was having a rough morning, right, Jules? And I said, you know, I just want you to know I love you. You're daddy's girl. You're part of our family. We love you. That's, not, that's contrary to the way we think, isn't it? Often we think, I'm going to correct this person. Now, yes, there's correction, but there's, uh, it starts with what? Establishing the relationship. I love you. I'm with you. I'm on your side. I'm there for you. I care for you. And then calling her, hey, let's smile. Let's have a good day together. Let's worship together. We all have these kind of days, don't we? Anybody have a bad day, a bad week, a bad month? What do you need to hear? Sometimes it's the encouragement, right? Put yourself in other people. This is loving one another. So the primary command is love one another. And I think all the way through Scripture it's very clear what this looks like. So turn back to 2 John. So first, John encourages the lady and her children to love one another in the truth. And you do this by keeping the commands of God, by doing what Christ tells us to do. Next we see 
John warned the lady, John warned the lady to avoid the distorters of the truth. A warning to avoid the distorters of the truth. Look at verse, verses 7 to 11. For many deceivers have gone out into the world. Those who do, do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves that you do not lose what we have accomplished, but you may receive a full reward. Anyone who goes too far and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. The one who abides in the teaching, he has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house and do not give him a greeting. For the one who gives him a greeting participates in his evil deeds. What is this? Beloved, I'll, I'll suggest to you that the second part of the body is just a follow-up on the first part. It's called loving one another. He is loving this lady. He's loving her children. He's saying, listen to me. Watch out. These false teachers will lead you away from the truth. Be careful. Do you understand that that could be one of the most loving things we can do is to actually call somebody to avoid false teachers, to warn them. And he does that. But notice how it starts. It starts with the word for. For. Verse 7. For many deceivers have gone out. This is a transition and explains how loving one another why it happens or why it should happen. Love in truth, verse, first part of the body, is an imperative. Why? Because of many deceivers in the world. What? Love one another. Why? Because many deceivers have gone out into the world. What does this mean? Here's what it means, ultimately. As we unite together and love one another in the truth, what happens? We are protected from what? Deceivers. As we come together, as we love one another in the truth, we're going to what? We're going to encourage one another. We're going to protect each other. We're going to point out false errors. We're going to help each other. And what's that going to do? It's going to keep us from falling into the trap of the many deceivers that go out into the world. This is very important. We are protected from the evil practices of Satan and his followers by sticking together. Alienation, separating from the body, leads to what? Disaster. It does. It leads to disaster. One of the saddest parts of my ministry, one of the saddest aspects of my ministry is to hear of people who have departed from the truth altogether. They've abandoned the truth altogether. And it never seems, it ceases to amaze me that it's almost like this progress. You can see it. There's a slide a little ways away from the church. They start coming a little less, participating a little less, fellowshipping a little less. And then the next thing, hey, 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 you get, we get that call out to them. And yeah, I'll be back. And they come back for a little while. And then they slide a little further. And before you know it, you can't find them with radar. 
And then something comes up in their life. And it, I don't know what it is, but it's almost all the time. There's something comes up into their life, and they have an excuse for not going to that church anymore. It's too far to drive. It's a 45-minute drive. Well, why did you do it for three and a half years? You were there for three and a half years. Beloved, what slowly happens in alienation from the body, the truth, the love that comes with accountability and encouragement and love of one another leads to what? Disaster. The deceiver sucks you away. I know some of y'all wonder, why do you get those texts from me when you miss a church service? <laughs> Honestly, I'm thinking of these passages. You, you say, I'm okay, Pastor Mike, I'm okay. I only missed one Sunday. Give me a break. <laughs> it's only because I love you. I love you. And this love of one another keeps you in the truth and protects you from distorters of the truth. So loving one another in the truth is not just a good idea. It's a requirement because deceivers have gone out into the world. Now notice, the reason for the warning is given in 7. It says, to avoid the distorters of the truth. Verse 7 says, for many deceivers have gone out into the world. Those who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ is coming in the flesh. This is the deceiver and the antichrist. Again, here's a plurality that's typified by a singular. There are many that have gone out, but they are called the deceiver. Because it's pointing to the fact that Satan is behind it all. There's many deceivers, and that means it's a, not a small problem, beloved. It's very important, and it's still not a small problem today. Do you understand that? It is a big problem. Deceivers, this Greek word for deceivers is where we get our English word planets. The reason the word came to be associated with planets in the English was because if you watch the planets in the night sky, if you had a, a, a telescope and you could watch them in the night sky, they don't have a normal orbit. They don't just go straight across the sky. They'll jump around. And what's the point? They follow a strange path. They are on a crooked path. And that is ultimately exactly what deceivers are. They follow a strange, crooked path. And anybody that follows the deceivers, what happens to them? They get on that strange, crooked path. And they're lost. So John warns them, there's many of these deceivers. And notice it says, gone out into the world. Boy, this is a play on a contrasting thought. What are apostles? They are the sent ones. The sent out into the world. Do you understand that there is a play? Deceivers are sent out into the world too. Do you understand that the enemy has sent out an army of people to try to deceive the children of God? This is a fact, beloved. This is what he says here. There's an active influence of Satan sent out into the world to deceive people from the truth. Now, folks, sometimes I'm accused of being a little too harsh in how I'm calling people out and things like that. Friends, first of all, we see John do it here, right? And if you read through the epistles, read through the New Testament epistles, it seems like almost every epistle has some kind of reference to false teachers. 
and being careful of false teachers. Even our book, Philippians, beware of the dogs, beware of the evildoers. Everywhere you go, there's this warning. I believe it is the most loving thing in the world for me to do to warn you. Right? I mean, think about this. How many of you, if you had children, and you saw a rattlesnake outside on your front porch, you saw a rattlesnake, how many of you, and you saw your little child going towards the door, what would you do? No. Don't go outside the door. Listen, there's a rattlesnake. It will bite you. You will die. You could die. It's the most loving thing to do, to warn people. Now, it is important that when we explain this, that to say they've gone out into the world and all these things, we do it out of love for them. We don't do it out of self-righteous judgment, saying, I'm better than that other deceiver. <laughs> I'm a better man than him. No, that's not what it's about. It's about protecting you. It's called loving people. This is loving people in the truth. And they do not, notice he says, and they do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is just a summary statement of what the people believed. We'll see further in 9 what they are, but leave it at this for now. The deceivers fail to acknowledge the person and work of Jesus Christ. An attack on the doctrine of Jesus is one of the clearest indicators of a false teacher. What you do with Jesus, and ultimately the doctrine of salvation, because Jesus is what? It's what he's done, is the doctrine of salvation. What you do with Jesus and what he's done, the truth, is a clear indicator of a false teacher. They are deceivers. This title carries with it the idea of leading people astray. And they are called the Antichrist. That is, they are summarized by the Antichrist. That is, the spirit of Satan, who will one day, what? Inhabit a man. That will be the ultimate Antichrist. But until then, there is a spirit of Antichrist in the world. It's against Christ. This is, and they say they are Christ often. They say we know Jesus. We have knowledge of him. But, as 1 John 2, 2 states, they are liars. In 1 John 4, 1, they are false prophets. They are deceivers and against Jesus. There's no shortage of deceivers today. I want to play a video for you. I'm taking a chance here. Here we go. We're going to play a video. I want to give you some prep. I am not endorsing this guy at all. Okay? This guy is wicked. This guy is the spirit of Antichrist. Can you do it? No, it's not happening. I was hoping that it would happen. It's only a minute and a half. A minute too long. Look at this, beloved. This was put out in January. And he, this guy puts out a video every, every month now. No, go back to the beginning. There we go. There we go. Play it real loud. 
Los habitantes del planeta se declaran creyentes. Esto debería provocar un diálogo entre religiones. No debemos Seeking God or meeting God in different ways in this crowd, in this range of religions. There is only one certainty we have for all. We are all children of God. This is the Pope's video for January. Beloved, This is scary. I hope you will spread my prayer request this month that sincere dialogue among men and women of different faiths may produce the fruits of peace and justice. That is the exact opposite of what Second John says. Friends, do you understand? Listen, I'm not just picking on Roman Catholics. That is obviously Antichrist. Do you understand? It has not changed, beloved. We are in the same world that has the same enemy out there. They're everywhere. And just like these people... John describes the lady and her children. So how do we protect ourselves from these evil ones? How do we do it? What do we do? Remember, the first way is through our mutual commitment to each other in the truth. Satan will do everything to try to get you distracted and separated from the love and truth found in the body of Christ. He will disguise it in so many different ways. The biggest disguise I've heard lately is this. Come together and dialogue for we will then be able to have a voice of truth to the lost world. That's the biggest, that's a lie. It's a lie. Come together and when we come together then there'll be a whole bunch of people and we can give them the gospel and they might get saved. You know what that is? That's deception. Beloved, all that does is cloud the gospel more. It makes it, don't you understand that this is the postmodern world? All the Pope did was the Pope, that's the what? That's the postmodern message. Always lead to God. Always lead to God. All he did was take the culture and say, let me conform our message to the culture. There's also a real need for growing in our knowledge of the Christology, the gospel, the doctrine of Christ. That's a pitch for systematic theology today at 445. You need to know Christ. You need to know the doctrine of Christ. Why did many of the reformers die? 
They died because of that truth. They were holding on to Christology, who Christ is and what he did. Beloved, the enemy is, he's out there. He's prowling around like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. And this is a serious warning, isn't it? Look at verse 8. Watch yourselves that you do not lose what we have accomplished, but that you may receive a full reward. Now, does this mean that we can lose our salvation? I would say no. But it is a forceful command to be diligent and watchful and aware that there is an enemy. And he's basically saying that you do not lose what is accomplished. The idea is, is that if a person is not careful to watch themselves, then the work that was worked in their midst by the apostles may be found fruitless. This does not mean a person can lose their salvation, but it does mean that a person who is really saved will persevere. And how will we persevere? By watchfulness. You must be diligent to be watchful. Every single one of you. You must stand for the truth and you must be watchful. That's how you persevere. And ultimately, if you are, if you do persevere, God will then what? Reward us. This is probably a reference to 2 Corinthians 5, the whole idea of rewards at the Bama seat. If we persevere, there's rewards for us. But we must stand firm. Now, I admit, what happens if somebody calls me and says, Hey, Mike, why don't you go speak at this conference where the Pope is speaking? There's going to be a million people. What do I do? Here's what I do. And this probably, I've, I've, I've been thinking through this as it goes along. I would say this, you ready? Do you understand that if you have me speak at your conference, I'm going to call you a false teacher? Do you understand that if you have me come, I'm going to say that there is only one religion and that all other religions are an abomination and opposed to God? If you still want me to come and me preach that to your people, then I'll go. But just understand, when I go, I'm going to say very clearly, you are anathema based on Galatians 1, and I will probably preach from Galatians 1, just so you know that. You preach this contrary gospel. Fairly sure they're not going to invite me back. They probably won't say keep coming. Again, beloved, you, I know that sounds harsh, doesn't it? Does it sound harsh? I really think that we have to love people this way. We have to tell the truth. We must be constantly watching and warning. This is a serious warning. Look out. There are deceivers seeking to lead you astray. And then third, we see the clarification of the warning in verse 9. Look at this. Anyone who goes too far and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Boy, that's clear, isn't it? What does that say about that video? It says the whole thing's a lie. They don't have God. 
The one who abides in the teaching, he has both the Father and the Son. In order for John to make it very clear who to embrace and who to avoid, he gives a clear contrast here. And I call it two groups, the progressive deceivers and the traditional disciples. Now, again, I am not getting into politics here when I say the progressives. This is the progressives in, in doctrinal talk. The progressive deceivers. What's a progressive? Well, see that little phrase at the beginning of the verse? It says, now how the deceivers are scribed. It says, anyone who goes too far. You could literally translate this, everyone who goes forward. Everyone who goes forward. Now, I want you to think about this for a second. What kind of message is everyone who goes forward? What does the world think of that message? Forward-thinking people are what? Winners in our world. Embrace them. If they go forward, by all means, get behind them, right? Let's move forward. I think that was even a... a uh, a motto for a politician. Forward thinking. Beloved, listen to me closely. When it comes to religion and speaking of Christ, anybody that goes forward is actually going against Christ. Going against Him. Being progressive is not a good thing when it comes to the gospel. John was probably wording this as a direct opposition to the false teachers because this is what false teachers do. They claim progressing past the Christ revealed by the apostles and prophets. I've got more. I've got more information. I know more. Let's go forward. Let's go past Christ. What is that? Antichrist. But beloved, anything new, you need to be afraid of I'm warning you again be afraid of anything new that's why when we say we are reformed we are probably pretty safe because the reformers were those who held to the early Christian teachings they wanted to go back to the Bible for their source of understanding salvation but all the way back to the New Testament when it was written there are many deceivers who are prompting us to come this new way Come get in on this exciting new movement. How many of you want to get in on a new exciting movement? Avoid it. It will kill you. There's nothing new under the sun. Deceivers promote their view by suggesting they have a progressive way of thinking. What's the test? The revelation outside of Scripture. What is this, this lady, still, I think it's one of the best-selling books. What's that lady's name that Jesus calling? Sarah Young. It's one of the, but why? Because it's new revelation. I talk to God. Beloved, we have got to be, a, I know some of y'all are like, man, you are saying stuff you've said before. The Bible's saying it again. It's that important. What does this do to us Christians that know and see our loved ones going down the wrong path? It grieves us, doesn't it? Whatever you do, don't justify 
a loved one's action by throwing Jesus under the bus. Do you hear me? But they're my mom or dad or father or sister or brother or cousin or aunt or whatever. Don't throw them under the bus or don't throw Jesus under the bus so that you can have this good feeling about your parents or your relative. Graciously love them. Speak the truth. Demonstrate loving one another. Be a peacemaker, yes. Proclaim the truth. This is what he says to do. One commentator stated, no in interpretation of Christianity is true which eliminates redemption or obscures the glory of the cross. Amen. All this said, I guess if you only got one doctrine down better than the other ones, which one would it be? Christ. Teachings of Christ. You better know who he is and what he's done. And if they don't, they do not have God. Notice the contrast, the traditionalists, the traditional disciples, the one who is abiding in the teaching. He has both the Father and the Son. We are traditionalists. I, I like the term biblicists. We stick with what the Bible says. Now, you know, I have to admit, when this argument is made often with people that you're telling them and warning them, you know what they often say? Well, this is an exegesis problem. This isn't a, this isn't a Bible problem. What do they mean by exegesis problem? They're saying your interpretation is different than my interpretation. Beloved, listen. <laughs> the Bible is the Bible. And there is, a tr there is a plain, simple reading of Scripture. It's very simple. God made it so that we could understand it. Does that mean every aspect of the Bible is perspicuity understandable? Perfectly, no, I admit, eschatology is difficult. But let's say we can know who Christ is, amen? amen. We can know who, what salvation is and how it's accomplished, right? God wants us to know him. It's not up for interpretation, it's what the scriptures say. Who he is and what he has done and what he's doing and what he requires. We are traditionalists. We are biblicists. We are traditional Bible-believing Christians. We follow the way, the truth, and the life. Be careful of new faiths and new movements and new perspectives. If it's new, it's probably just an old lie repackaged. Finally, an application of the warning, verse 10 and 11. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house and do not give him a greeting. For the one who gives him a greeting participates in his evil deed. Put simple, what does this mean? Do not tolerate false teachers. Period. Do not tolerate them. If there comes any unto you and brings not this doctrine, do not receive them. J.C. Ryle, uh, Joey posted it last night. How many of you read that, by the way? Nobody. <laughs> they will now, Joey. Look at this. J.C. Ryle, he nails it. Look. If we 
would hold fast that which is good, we must never tolerate or support any doctrine which is not pure doctrine of Christ's gospel. And all people say, Amen. look, there is a hatred which is downright charity, which is downright love. This is how you can translate that. That is the hatred of erroneous doctrine. It is loving to hate erroneous doctrine. That's what he says. There is an intolerance which is downright praiseworthy. An intolerance that's worthy of praise. That is the intolerance of false teaching in the pulpit. Everybody says, Amen. Amen. Who would ever think of tolerating a little poison given to them day by day? If men come among you who do not preach all the counsel of God, who do not preach of Christ, sin, holiness, of ruin, redemption, and regeneration, and do not preach of these things in the scriptural way, you ought to cease to hear them. That is a commentary on 2 John, this passage. Beloved, it is clear. There is no tolerating false teaching. You ought to cease to hear them. Ryle's comments are like a summary of this, isn't it? Verse 10 and 11, it's a summary of it. John gives twofold. Look, application of warning. He says, do not show them hospitality. That's what he gets at there. Do not have them into your house. Now, what does he mean by that? Does, that, does he mean... If a Jehovah Witness knocks on your door, you shouldn't talk to them out on their front step. No, that's not what he's talking about. These were traveling missionaries. And it was the policy of the Christian church to invite pastors in as they traveled and show them love and kindness and be gracious to them and offer them food and give them kind greetings and say, may God bless you. And here you have false teachers picked up on that and what did they do they went to those people's houses and they said hey can I have a place to stay I believe in the same Jesus as you I just go further come on in that's what they were saying don't do that don't allow it don't show them hospitality now at this point somebody in the room might say how is that loving your enemy how is that loving your enemy? That is the most loving thing you could do. Why? Because you're saying, in effect, don't come into my house. I'm not going to give you this hospitality. I'm not going to give you this greeting. I'm not going to say, be well and be filled and God bless you. Because you then say to them what? I'm separate. I'm different. What you believe is wrong. You say with your actions, repentance is where their hope is found. It is the most kind thing we can do to say these things to people. Now, how do you say it? How do you say it if your family member is one of these people? Beloved, unfortunately, our world and the evangelical church needs to learn this lesson. I want to show you a post. Show you the picture. Can you show the picture? Flick. Look at this picture. 
didn't work. One more time. Here we go. This is the opposite of 2 John. This is on the Facebook page of Together 2016. What is Together 2016? That's where every, all the evangelicals are getting together in Washington, D.C. There's going to be a million people there. There are hundreds of thousands of churches that have committed. How did they promote their Together 2016 in Washington Mall? How did they promote it? They got, and this is a video. I don't have the video. You'll just have to take it for granted. Trust me, you can go look at it. I'd rather you not, but either way. They had the Pope invite all the Catholics in the area to go to it. And he's on the page. Pope Francis adds his voice to the people from a different background who invite you to the National Mall. Tell us you're going. What is that? That is the very same thing Second John says not to do. That is giving them a greeting. Saying that we're on the same team to a degree. Beloved, this is horrible. And if I listed out all the people that are going to the conference, you would all go, really? Speaking at the conference, you'd be going, nah, uh Ravi Zachariah? Lecrae? Now, did they put this up? Their argument would be, no, I didn't put that up. But the problem with that is what? By being associated with it, you're associating with him. Is there room for separation? Especially with false teachers. Would you say yes? Thank the Lord. Apparently he was, the Pope was going to have a speaking arrangement, engagement there. And he was going to have a video that was going to play at that 2016 thing together. Thankfully, I heard through somebody I've been counseling and talking to and trying to call to not do it that the Pope is not going to be played on that video, at that place. Again, what do we have here? We have a clouding of the truth. We've got to watch. We've got to be careful. I think this is an important message for all of us. You need to take it serious. So, we'll close with this idea. Somebody asked me, Joey, actually, I'll bring it back up, Joey. He asked these questions. You ready? Is there ever a place for harsh confrontation? Is there ever a place for harsh confrontation? Pastoral impeachment. Is there ever a place for pastoral impeachment? Debates. Is there a place for debates? How about picketing? How about fisticuffs? Punching people? <laughs> Fighting? How about stake burning? Okay, so what's the answer to all these? Well, Joey, I, I'm not going to go through every one of them. But beloved, it's pretty clear. He, in, this, in 2 John, he says, do not fellowship with them. If you ask them in, you are participating with them in their evil deeds. I can, I can draw the line real clear. Don't participate 
with evil. False teachers. Does that make sense? That's a very clear line. Does that mean debating? Well, I think you better be careful. You better be careful. I think debates can be what? Bad. If you end up at the end say, and the guy looks over and says, Welcome, brother. That was really good. I did one of those debates once. The guy called me a brother. I'm like, oh. Brother, you're not calling me a brother. I don't call you a brother, or maybe I did. I shouldn't have called you a brother. Picketing. Well, I think there's... I think we need to be careful because then we, we make it all about, all, we're, be, we're being represented by a sign then. And again, I think it's loving one another, living in this world, not being of this world, and sharing the truth with people. Listen, guys, I, I had opportunity this week to talk to some people that were all about this together for 2016. I didn't, I didn't call them out in public. I didn't make a big deal. I was gracious. I loved the guy. I just said, hey, I don't see it. I don't think it's a good idea. I think that's a way to do it. I think there is confrontation. But I think you have to be very careful. And I definitely don't think we should fight about it. Correct? Or burn people at the stakes. Because the fact of the matter is, is if we burn people at the stake, we'd end up burning what? Most of the world. Because wide is the lead that, way that leads to destruction. Many go that way. Narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. Few find it. So, beloved, we close with Second John, and he says very clearly, I look forward to seeing you. He says, though I have many more things to write to you, I do not want to do so with paper and ink, but I hope to come to you and speak face to face so that your joy may be made full the children of your chosen sister greet you. In other words, beloved, I don't think this discussion of the false teachers stopped at the end of this letter. I think what? He kept on. He kept on loving her in the truth, even by sharing the truth over and over and over again. Can you take the Pope down? I'd rather not close with him on the screen. Friends, listen to me really closely. My feelings sometimes, my feelings sometimes say, this is not a message I'd like to preach. I understand some of some people in the room have even at times told me, why do you keep harping on that? And I understand. I want you to understand that it appears that as I just go through Scripture, this theme's going to just keep coming, and I've got to preach on it. And if I don't preach on it, I'm not being faithful to preach the whole counsel of God's Word. Does it grieve me that I have relatives that are very likely lost? Yes. Does it, does it, I, even relatives that have died, that very well could be in hell right now, does that grieve me? Yes. But the most loving thing I can do is proclaim this truth because there might be one 
that takes this message serious and turns to Christ and embraces Him and is more watchful in their walk with the Lord. Please be watchful. Persevere by the grace of God that's working in you. It's important. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. It is hard to hear. And it is very confrontational sometimes. Lord, we are often burdened by this. Burdened by the people that don't take this, this evil seriously, God. I pray that your holy justice and your a holy fear will fall on everybody in this place. That everybody will understand fully how holy you are. And that deception is evil. And that it must be confronted. Lord, help us to be brave, courageous, gentle, kind, loving, sacrificial. All these things, Lord, it seems almost impossible, but we know that that's who you are. By your grace, we can walk in this. We can walk in this truth and confront people graciously and lovingly. Oh, Lord, please grant repentance. Please grant repentance, Lord. We love you. We need you. 